2: two three four those are numbers but you already knew that if you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car use kelly blue book my wallet on auto trader they're really good at numbers auto trader welcome to the unh wildcast the official podcast
0: of the university of new hampshire wildcats and now here's your host mike murphy Hello again, everybody, and welcome into the UNH Wildcast, powered by Yenertil. My name is Mike Murphy, and I am your friend. Ah, friends, we are back together again, back with Bryce York, our executive producer. And we have a filled show for you today. But first, Bryce, welcome in. How are you, my friend? Thank you. I'm doing very
3: good, you know, enjoying uh, you know, the nice Halloween weekend coming up and uh, enjoying the nice
0: weather. And I've been doing pretty good. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great because championship month is here. And we're going to be talking to three student-athletes who are still thinking about championships. Randall Harris from the football team as the Wildcats currently lead the CAA and are 6-2, and two, enjoying an off week before they go to Richmond for a battle of ranked teams. But then we're talking women's soccer as we have Ella Dudley and Megan Garenti from a team that has been on a roll, qualified as the number two seed, which means a first-round bye, and then a playoff game coming up in the semifinals on Thursday. Thursday is November 3rd. And that will be a 6 o'clock start at Wildcat Stadium. So we need the support, need people out there. But there's something about this time of year when the games are that much more much more at stake. You know, it ratchets up the excitement.
3: Exactly, yeah. And they've been playing some big games already, and they've got some even bigger ones ahead. And I'm sure they're looking forward to it and, you know, ready to step up to the challenge.
0: Yeah, and as we get ready, men's soccer is going to be going to play some big, big games here in the coming days. So we're going to learn about the student-athletes. But I want to actually get an update because basketball season is about to start. Yes, a doubleheader November seventh. But for Coach York, you've got basketball as well. Tell us what's new with you, Coach York.
3: Yes, that's my new title. Thanks, Mike. I'm uh, happy to announce that I've recently been hired at Oyster River High School to coach the um, boys reserve freshman team. Head coach as, as that team, and it's my first uh, coaching job. And you know for a high school level, and I'm really excited to get started. I'm going to start, you know, uh, running their workouts this upcoming week and. Then we'll get right into the season, and yeah, I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to be Coach York now. You know, along with doing all the other stuff with the Wildcast and all that, that I'm excited to keep doing, and should be fun.
0: In addition to earning five star reviews, here <laughs> I imagine that will put you over the hump. Once you got involved with the Wildcast, probably food tastes better, oh, right? Yeah. You sleep better, and now you're getting better. And job I can't opportunities. walk around
3: campus, you know, without being recognized. You know,
0: yeah, like a five star York. I have to get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> it is celebrity is a is a difficult pill to swallow, but I'll I'll teach you. Because uh, I've been very famous for a long time, but it's the student athletes that really make things go. Yes, and we're going to hear some great stories here from amazing Wildcats. If you have thoughts on future guest ideas, you can always reach out Bryce York at UNH.edu, Bryce B-R-Y-C-E, or your friend Mike Murphy, Mike Murphy at UNH.edu. What do you want us to cover? Who do you want us to talk to? We'll, we'll think about it. You know, we always Absolutely. have good guests, but we'll give people a chance to tell us what we're. Because we have some, some good stuff on the uh, stove for cu- in the coming weeks here to get ready for Thanksgiving, too. Definitely. And, you know, we're always open to the fan input as well. Yep. But for now, we're going to talk some football and some women's soccer on the UNH Wildcast, powered by Unitil. I didn't think I'd start the conversation with Randall Harris with this, but I simply had to. This gymnastics thing going on with the football guys, <laughs> it's all over social media. It's twice now, and in both cases, Randall, you have been very much a part of this. Whose idea was it? How did you get involved, and how fun is this? Um,
2: whose idea was it? I definitely have to shout out Kennedy Brown, uh, one of the senior captain gymnastics guys that have uh, definitely persuaded us into doing those kind of uh, TikToks. Um, it started off pretty cool. Uh, went out there the first time, the first TikTok we all made, and we kind of felt like naturals. Me, my roommate, Bert Griffin, uh, Oni, we all went out there. We had a really good time. Even uh, Big Nate was out there. It, was, uh, it felt pretty natural, and then... We felt like the biggest guys in the world, and people like saw us on TikTok. And me and Caleb uh, Burke were actually uh, in Big Bean the other day, and one of our our waitress uh, she like gave us our bill, handed us our food and whatnot, and she was like, "Hey, are you guys on the football team?" We're like, "Yeah." I'm like, oh, she must like we play a little bit. She must watch the games. It was not. Nah. She said uh, she saw us on the UNH gymnastics TikTok page, <laughs> so that was a <laughs> that was kind of cool. It kind of made us feel like some stars for a second there. But it's been pretty fun. And then the second time we did it, it didn't it didn't go as planned. It was more of a blooper reel that second time. Uh, didn't show up the way we thought we were going to. so. But it's been really fun, though, being able to cross paths with another sports uh, team around here and just ha- have a little fun, you know.
0: Well, Kennedy is somebody who's been on this podcast before, and uh, she is in the new age of NIL. I don't think anybody at UNH has done it better than oh, what yeah. Kennedy has done so far. And Agreed. She has an individual deal with Duncan that's starting up now, which we won't get down that path, but she's awesome. Yeah. And uh, the gymnastics team, you're right, the cross crossing of two sports together mm-hmm. it's what makes UNH magical exactly now with the coaches nervous at all you guys are getting balance beams you're doing flips or are they been um, kind of don't know about it till afterwards and then they let yeah. you let you be because you're okay
2: um yeah um I'm not sure how they're gonna feel about me doing it especially after my uh recent uh injuries but definitely didn't tell them before and I don't think they said too much to me after uh so I guess we're going to have to take that bullet where it stands and see what
0: happens. Yeah. Cause you're <laughs> safe.
2: A- you look great. You're <laughs> feeling good, right? Exactly. As long as we come out on top from those, uh, <laughs> from those competitions and TikToks.
0: Well, it's the open week for football, and I'm glad you had a chance to stop by here. So many things that we can talk about. And gymnastics, I had to get out of the way because really? that's yeah. been – and the team, the fun that the team is having, it's probably not a coincidence. There's results that are matching. How different does it feel from, say, a year ago – this time of year to where we are now in 2022 it's
2: crazy you ask me that just because the turnaround we've had has been magical it's been it's been magnificent um me and a lot of the guys were talking it was just the team bond we have and the unity and just wanting to actually play for one another and giving our giving ourselves everything we got and whatnot it's like we're playing really genuinely paying for the guy next to you. It's it really pays dividend. Last year it wasn't really like that. We had a lot of, a lot of me guys and a lot of guys playing for personal reasons and not really buying into the team, the team picture that we all pictured for ourselves. And the season went by slow. Like it was just week after week, having to come in, giving it our all, but it was never enough. And we just had guys never on the same page. And this team it's just been different. It's just everyone's bought into the, the, the picture that Coach Santos pictured for us and. It's been a, it's been a beautiful thing, honestly. Just because everyone's having fun. Obviously, winning's fun, but it makes everyone like each other a little bit more. Like we're in that locker room, and like we genuinely want to be there. Like the eight a.m. lift's like yeah, it might suck waking up, but now we wake up excited to come. We we, we wake up excited to come to lift and get treatment and go out to the football field, understanding what what we've done for ourselves over the past six, seven, eight months from the off season to fall camp till now. Um, it's just it's just crazy to think about just because no one would have thought we'd be where we're at right now and. And it's not over yet. We have so much more we want to accomplish, and it's all ahead of for us.
0: When you shift the culture or, or the paradigm, however you want to phrase it, that doesn't happen by one meeting. Or, all right, guys, now we're going to be taking this stuff more seriously. We're playing for the person next to us. When did you feel that this was starting to take hold? Does it go back to last winter, last spring, or when do you really feel, all right, now we're, we're starting to click?
2: I think it started the moment uh, we got the announcement that Coach Santos was taking over as the head coach um, right when we came back from – january break and we were hitting uh, the winter workouts we just felt like the change in the environment we felt the changes in the coaching staff everything was just different and from that moment on from the very first workout we had to mat drills to spring ball we could tell everything was going to be different like we were competing better at practice we were competing in the weight room like everything was a competition like it wasn't like i'm trying to outbeat this guy i'm trying to be the best version of myself in everything that we did whether it was max out weeks or just a simple a simple tuesday spring practice anything it was and I think that was the biggest thing, the biggest change that I saw within this team. Um, like no one's out, like no one's like was playing out, beat each other, out beat like one another. We were out there trying to be the best version of ourselves on that given day. I'd have to say.
0: And I bet a lot of it has to do with the leadership of the older players, and I consider you one of those. I mean, what do we list you as a junior in the COVID world? Doing what does that mean? But oh, I mean, how much did you take that to heart? I have to lead on the field, off the field, in the locker room, everything I say and do.
2: Um. It was definitely a big task, but it kind of just became natural. Honestly, just I kind of feel like everyone has their role on the team, and everyone's gonna be a leader on a specific day and whatnot. Like it's not gonna just be me every day, all day in my position group. Noah Stansbury in our in our cornerback room has taken over a lot of the times, being that vocal leader, being that leader by example. J.C. before he went down was a leader by example. Caleb Mead. Everyone. I feel like everyone had a leadership role at some point on the team, and. Yeah, I might, I might have the role as our position leader because I'm the oldest guy and whatnot, but I feel like we kind of all share that leadership role together. I don't think anyone specifically might stand out, specifically in my position group. Like, but when you talk about Pop Bush and Brian Espen and Ryan Flinney, like, all of our, our, our senior captains, man, they're amazing. Um, those are guys that lead by example. They lead vocally. Like, and everyone just kind of like went behind them and just followed the lead, and it, it's paid dividend for us.
0: Is there a story behind the sunglasses? I feel like DT was the first I saw with the sunglasses, and recently Coach Santos even had them on, or is that just part of the new vibe?
2: That That's honestly just the new vibe. Um, a lot of the guys on the team have those glasses, and right when DT started wearing those to the games, it was like, okay, like, okay, it's a good look. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's part of the new trend. And then we started winning, and out of nowhere, he's in the, we're in the locker room. We're celebrating, we're dancing, taking videos, and. Those, those bright little shiny sunglasses popped up and it just became the new thing. And then right when Coach Santos said, we win this game, I'm rocking those sunglasses, it just took over. So that's just the new trend I'd have to say for this team.
0: Yeah, it, it's great. There's so many great things. And I have to bring up our moment, Randall, before the first home game. In the equipment room, I'm, you're going to get ready to go to battle. I'm going to get a hot dog. But <laughs> I said, Randall, this is your – I forget the exact words, but you can confirm this. I said, this is going to be your day. Next thing you know, two picks, pick six. We beat Monmouth. The place goes nuts. What do you remember about all that? It was unbelievable,
2: honestly. Um I do remember you saying this. I'm going to the equipment room grabbing trying to get some drip, trying to trying to get a sleeve, trying to get some some new gloves, something I, I needed bad, obviously. And I remember you saying that to me. I was like, well, like yeah, like it has to be, like, whatever. Like that's what you say on game day. First day of the season, you gotta say that. First half was dry and didn't really get much action. And then the second half came, one of the very first possessions, interception. Okay, like, okay, like this this could be something. We're competing, we're competing, we're battling against moms, little home opener. We're battling, we're battling. We get a pass breakup. And then fourth quarter comes, four-minute drill, four-minute drill. We're up three points, was it? Out of nowhere, another one to the house. And I was like, wow. Then I saw you after the game, what did you say? I was like, I told you, <laughs> gave me a fist bump, and I was like, wow, he did tell me. Honestly, an unbelievable feeling. Um, home opener, start of the new year, that's, that's, that's a hell of a way to get it
0: started. I, I, and I looked at you, I was like, wow, you called it. Clout stealing, like, <laughs> you know, just latching on. You did all the work. But I remember as well when you guys scored and you, and you go over toward the student section. And I know after games now, the alma mater with the band. Can you talk a little bit from the player's perspective about what the student turnout All fans, but in particular, the students seem to really be coming out in droves to support the team every game in the dungeon.
2: Oh, my God. So for the student section, that, wasn't, that was never a thing in the past years I've been here. Um, when we get a touchdown going over toward the student section after the game, going over toward the student section in the band and singing the fight song and whatnot, that was never a thing. And I think it was the moment that uh, Charles Briscoe uh, had that scoop and score on that punt block by uh, Josiah Silver. Right when he went to that student section and he did his little dance and he was waving at the student section, we saw with the student section how they reacted. That just became that just became the thing at that point. So I had my pick six. I following Charles Briscoe lead immediately to the student section. And I don't know – one thing is, we definitely have to learn that song. We don't know what the band is singing after every game we win at home. We have to learn that. I don't, we don't hear the words. We hear music. I don't know if there's a specific song that goes to that, but it's, it's awesome. That's, that's one of the greatest trends we've started this year, when Coach Santos said we need to start doing that. And honestly, just another thing that just brings a lot of unity together, honestly. I think us going over there and being with the band. and like it just, I feel like it just makes us admire what we just did and admires us battling and competing together. I think makes us look at everything in perspective, like like this is for us, like the band is here for us, the fans are here for us. like everything, everything that's happening in the stadium is for us. It's on us to like make it what we want it to be, but that's, I think that's the thing, just togetherness and just I think the band's a part of it, the student section is part of this football team. everyone that comes to our games is a part of this football team, and it's just, it's just paid off for us clearly so far.
0: So the song is the alma mater and. On the video board, it's tough because you're right there in the moment, but the words do pop up on the board. So much like I used to do in church, I'd kind of lip the word, you know, mouth the words, and look and try to figure out what I was singing. But there you go. So you'll, you can you can Google it in advance or sneak a peek to the board and see the words on there.
2: Oh, I can't wait to tell the team that one. Oh, they're gonna love me for that one when they actually the words on the video board.
0: Yep, as as it goes on, so <laughs> we're 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 unveiling things here as we go. Man, we learn something new every day. <laughs> Well, now I want to learn about the Randall Harris story because I haven't fully researched this, but I wouldn't be shocked if, even though Michigan's not that that far away, I can't think of anybody else from Michigan who's come to the University of New Hampshire to play football here. Now, of course, the emails will come in and prove me wrong. But for you, you probably had little to no idea what UNH was all about. When did this school get into the picture for you?
2: Well, from my prior history regarding Michigan and UNH football. Um, I think there was one or two football players from Michigan that played on this team ever. But I'm sure the emails will tell you differently. But that's what I've heard when I first got here from uh, James Francesca, Miss my guy. Yeah. Um, He would know as a guy who made the
0: trip to Michigan and came back. Exactly.
2: But my story and how UNH appeared for me, um, it's crazy to think about. I uh, entered the transfer portal after my freshman year at the Central Michigan University. We went 1-11. Worse, uh, worse uh, uh, record in program history. Uh, clean sweep with the coaching staff. Whole coaching staff got fired. All new coaches came in. Tried to change my position, and at that point, it just genuinely wasn't fun for me. And if I wasn't having fun with this game, then it was like more like why was I playing it? So I had a decision to make, and I had an all-conference uh, defensive back in front of me, which was one year above, one year above me too. And the coaches straight up told me, the new coaching staff said, like, hey, Randall, you probably won't play until maybe your senior year just because this guy's a dog. He's not going anywhere. We're keeping him. Like, that's the plan. So, obviously, like, understandable, like, you got to get in where you fit in. So I understood what they were where they were coming from. Um, and that's when the, the idea of the transfer portal came into mind. Um, and this is when it was still fairly new. I think it was, like, the maybe second or third year that it was really a thing um, before it really took over and people understood what the transfer portal was all about. Um, it was really tough just because there was so a lot, there was so many uncertainties regarding the transfer portal at that time. The only thing that you really understood was right when you enter your name in that transfer portal, um, your scholarship at the school you're currently attending can be can be gone. They don't have to honor it anymore. So that was the biggest thing. Talking to my family and friends, and well, everyone everyone that was involved in the decision I made, um, that was the biggest thing. Like, hey, Randall, like, do you do you love this game enough? Do you genuinely care about this game enough to? potentially risk having not having a scholarship getting any offers getting any full ride scholarships elsewhere or do you want to just stick it out and get your full education full ride education at central michigan and my first decision definitely was okay like just got to take the safe but be be grateful for the opportunity to be on a division one football team but after talking to more family and old coaches that i played for over the years um they told me and this that's not what i started this game for i didn't come i didn't work all the way hard. I didn't work this hard to get to the new, like a division one level and just to be on the team. Like I came to play. Um, After I had a few conversations like that, I entered the transfer portal and this is like, obviously like the transfer portal has a lot of statistics that go, that go toward it. I was a freshman with four years of eligibility left. Um, It was kind of a hot commodity. If you're a cornerback uh, with that much eligibility, you're going to, you're going to get some love. And I got a lot of love. I received a lot of uh, a lot of emails, a lot of offers, a lot of, visits and whatnot i visited montana rocky mountain uh state um goodness gracious old dominion it was a lot of schools schools in texas oklahoma schools i never heard of it was a lot of schools and it's crazy to think that the university of new hampshire was actually the last school that reached out to me the last school i visited the last school to offer me it's crazy to think about just because i did not have my mind made up and i don't know where i get a i get a, a twitter dm from james francesca and click on the message and it's like oh like hey randall harris like we just saw your name in the transporter We're potentially looking for a cornerback, da-da-da-da-da. Press on this profile. I'm seeing University of New Hampshire. I don't remember the last time I heard that. I never, I've never heard that state before. Like, I don't even remember like, learning about, about that like, in elementary school. So immediately the first thing I do is go to Google Maps. I was like, where is the University of New Hampshire? Zoom out, continue to zoom out and zoom out. I'm like, wow, this place is north. That is far. Like, I don't even know if we can refer to it as the East Coast because it was so far north. And I saw where it was, and I was like, "I was like, ain't no way." So me and my mother started looking, doing some research on the University of New Hampshire, Division One FCS level. And we started, we saw the program history. I was like, "Wow, this place is this place is legit. This is this is like a real Division One university." Okay, um, so we decided to give it a chance, and I flew out here and fell in love immediately. The moment I landed off the plane with Jimmy Jimmy V, they showed me around Boston a little bit, got good food. Uh, they took me up to here. And just immediately when I stepped on campus, I was like, "Wow! Like, I could see myself being here." As specifically as a student, that was always the most important thing for me. And my mother, "Can you see yourself being a student on this campus? Can you see yourself excelling on the football field and the academic field?" And it, immediately when I got on campus, I saw it. I met coaches, Coach Bozzi, Coach Lyons, Coach uh, Coach Mack, and I immediately fell in love with this place. And honestly, at that point, I had a lot of um, I had a lot of uncertainties of where I wanted to go, whether I wanted to stay home or. Go to the Division Two level. There was a lot of things that I was questioning, but the moment I came to the University of New Hampshire, I knew this was the place for me. And I'm pretty sure I did like a two-day visit, and I committed that. I committed the book right before I left. Like I said, like, hey, let me talk to my mother. Let me call her real quick, but I'm committed. And I feel like that's the beautiful thing about this place. It just it has some way of just pulling you in and making you feel comfortable. It makes you makes you feel like you could actually have a family here. And I met a lot of great guys on my visit. met Nick Lorden. Um, Isaiah Perkins, Prince Smith. I met a lot of great guys, Pop Lacey. Definitely a lot of guys that you would definitely need to have to make you may have to have meet on your visit just to bring you in, like, understand, like, okay, this is, like, what the team is about. Like, these are the kind of people you're going to meet. These are the sort of like, sort of relationships you're going to build. And then immediately I fell in love with this place. And it was, it was an awesome experience going through the transfer portal experience and landing up in the University of New Hampshire.
0: Yeah, I'm sure other people have stories that don't work out. Yours is perfect, right? What time of year did you have that visit? This was um, early summer. Um,
2: I entered the portal like right before spring classes got out. So in Michigan, I think it was mid-May, late May. And I did all my visits all of June. And my, my goal was to um, have my choice and be committed and sign my letter, whatever it was, before two or three weeks before camp started just because I wanted to, I wanted to be locked in. I wanted to focus on, okay, where am I going? How am I going to get there? I took my last visit here to University of New Hampshire – in i'll say mid 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 july and it's definitely a catfish because most beautiful time of the year um it is it's oh man beautiful weather ocean breeze all that good stuff and they they get you they get you with that perfect weather in the summer at the university of new hampshire um but it's not always like that um obviously when i spent my first winter here that's that that picture went away quite fast but I didn't understand. Like, when I thought University of New Hampshire, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be cold. That's really far north. It's it's touching Maine. It's going to be freezing. But obviously, no. It was, yeah, the weather was nice, too.
0: Yeah, we have our cold times, but that's when you go to class, right? You you study more, you don't want to go outside. But during the football season and uh, spring ball and everything else, it's great. It's unreal. You've referenced your mom a few times, family, home. Can we talk about growing up? Because it was Michigan your home all your life? Oh, yeah. So, how important were they in? these decisions that you had to make as what a 19 year old at that point
2: i was uh freshly 19 actually uh birthdays in march signed so entered the portal three months after my 19th birthday um it was everything for me um they played the biggest role in the reason i even entered the transfer portal um without them believing in me and saying like hey randall like remembering the reasons why you played why you started this game i wouldn't i wouldn't have done it i wouldn't have made that leap especially at the time where there were so many uncertainties with the transfer portal but they're just my inspiration and they motivate me and they inspire me to make the decisions that are best for myself. And at the end of the day, they always will make sure I'm the one that makes the decision that I need to want it for myself. But they'll give me the pros and cons and they'll, they'll push me to understand both sides of the situation. So um, my mother is specific, especially. She has inspired me God knows how much. Um, she's the reason I entered the transfer portal. She, she said she's the one that reminded me and had certain coaches reach out telling me the things I needed to hear in order to make a decision like this. Um, every school I visited, um, it was specifically like my, like three, I had three requirements. Do I see myself being a student here? Do I see myself excelling on the football field? And what does my mother think about this school? (laughs) And I told every single coach that, and they, and they honored it too. Like they made sure to contact my mother and make sure she was a part of this decision making. And the university of New Hampshire did the greatest job with that. Um, Jimmy V reached out to her, coach Mack reached out to her, John Lyons reached out to her and my mother, my mother was the biggest part of this decision, like if i if she didn't approve of this school, it was a no for me. like she had to be okay with this kind of uh decision just because she played the biggest role in it, if not myself, so
0: talk about selflessness and moms you know you can't even begin to describe what that means. It had to be tough for her to say, "Leave central Michigan, leave the home state, go to New Hampshire because it's best for you, even though it's harder for her and your family to see you
2: yeah, um. I think the biggest thing for her was all the paperwork that came with uh transferring. Um the amount of paperwork that me and her did in our office basement for months upon months was ridiculous. Um I don't I could never transfer again. Just thinking about that paperwork we were doing. But honestly with her, she was just so motivated and like proud of me for making such a big decision at such a young age. I it kinda came like a no natural for her. Um she was honestly nothing but excited for the opportunity that presented itself. And she was really happy and blessed that I had all these opportunities and all these schools still saw value in me that Central Michigan didn't. And she had no doubt in her mind. She didn't, she didn't feel any kind of way, honestly. Like, yeah, like her baby, boy, her, her baby boy is leaving the nest. But it's just kind of how I think she's, she's matured enough. And she's, I'm, the, I'm the youngest of three, uh, two other brothers. So she's been through this roller coaster a couple times. And I feel like with me it just became second nature. Um, when it was time for me to go, like she had no problems with it. We took the 13-hour haul. And 13 hours in a Honda Civic with your mother, is uh, it, it can get quite gruesome. So we definitely had a couple arguments, a couple pit stops along the way. But, no, she was nothing but excited for me and the opportunities that I set up for myself.
0: How important, talking about being the youngest and having older brothers, uh, I'm sure there were difficulties, but they probably were also heroes of yours growing up. What was that relationship like growing up, and what sports were you playing other than football?
2: Oh, it was, um, it was unbelievable. My brothers are uh, Robert and Ryan Harris. Um, they were big track, track and field guys. That's where they went to college for. My uh, oldest brother, Robert, went to the University of Alabama for uh, track, and my brother Ryan went to the University of Tiffin for track. And they played basketball. They played football, but the one that we all enjoyed the most was football. But the one we all excelled at, well, the one they excelled at the most was track. Um, my story is just a little bit different from theirs, um, just being the youngest, and it's only two years apart each. So my other brother's four years older, and my middle brother's two years older than me. Um, the experiences and the opportunities I had were a little far more than what they had. And I feel like just being the youngest, I think that's what inspired me the most. Um, between travel basketball and having the opportunity to go to a private school like Orchard Lake St. Mary's Catholic School and then transferring over to my pu- public school, Walled Lake Western, I had a lot of opportunities that they didn't receive. And I think just growing up and seeing what they did and like what they made for themselves only inspired me to take advantage of the opportunities that my mother and my family provided me and what my brothers provided me too. Um, definitely being the baby of the family. Um, there might've been moments where there could have been some favoritism. Obviously I'm a little biased about it. I just think, I just think I was that dude. Like I was, was think I was a great child. It definitely taught me tough love because there was a lot of times where there was a lot of indifferences. Obviously I was getting, I might've gotten some better treatment than they might have, but I think that just comes with being the youngest. I just think <laughs> that's, just, that's, just, that's just the role that we play in society today. Um, but, no, they, they are honestly my biggest role models when it comes to sports just because at a young age I was able to watch what they were able to do and how they excelled on the track or on the basketball court in the football field. And it inspired me to just be – I wanted to be better than them. So – they played a key role in, like, the player I became just because, obviously, as a young child, you want to be better than your older brothers and you want to outdo them and everything. And, obviously, at a certain time, like, you're not going to do it. Like, physically, they're going to be stronger than you, faster than you. But over time, like, obviously, you're going to develop a better sense. And them beating me over the years and was it video games or were they go outside and play basketball, whatever it was, like, they'd always beat me. And I feel like that was, like, the motivator that started me and, like, why I wanted to compete and be at this level.
0: When did you have to give up the other sports? I always ask student-athletes this question because if you love them all, you have to gravitate towards one eventually to make it to the highest level.
2: Yeah, that's the sad part about it. Um, I gave up track very early just because I was like a long-jumper kind of guy, and I wasn't as fast as my brothers were in no question. Um, I gave up track pretty early, probably junior year of high school. For me, it was basketball. Basketball was the one I started first. That's the one I played for the longest, It's the most I, I did the most with between travel, basketball, AAU. High school and whatnot. That was the toughest one to give up just because I played that up throughout senior year though. But it was the moment, the moment I realized that there were more opportunities for me to go to college in football was my sophomore year of high school. And obviously, like just being a six foot guy, like unless you're a very great point guard, there's not a lot of opportunities for you at the basketball level. And it was a tough feeling just because I've always enjoyed playing basketball more. I don't know what it was, but it was right when I made that, right when I made that commitment to, okay, like. If you want want opportunities for yourself, it has to be football. That's when I really started falling in love with the game. I don't don't think I gave myself the opportunity to understand what the game of football was, but the moment I said, okay, like, you can do something with this, that's when I really understood what this game was and, like, how many opportunities it can provide for you, and that's when I really fell in love with this game.
0: So let's go back to after you make the decision to transfer here and you get to campus. What were some of the challenges? I'm I'm just thinking. Here you are, you're coming from the FBS school in Michigan – you, you you meet guys who you're going to be competing with because we were pretty deep at cornerback. Oh, yeah. Those guys you mentioned, Perk, Prince, and you're trying to fight your way on and join a locker room and all that. How What do you remember about that time in your life?
2: Oh, it was a struggle. Um, being a guy from the FBS level, especially in the transfer portal when you don't know too much, especially you don't know too much about FCS. I didn't know that there were two levels of Division One football. I thought it was just all or nothing. I got here with... I had a hot head. I had a high head. I thought, "Oh, I'm above all these guys." Like I'm an F- I was an FBS guy. Like, I'm here, but I shouldn't be. Here. Like I know who I'm. I know who I'm. I'm an FBS cornerback, and I got humbled very quickly. That's not the case. Um, there's no difference skill skillfully. There's no. There's no difference at any level you play at, and I got humbled very quickly. Um, I didn't even. Find, I didn't see myself starting. I didn't see myself rotating in as much as I thought I would be. And I quickly understood that, well, oh, you're going to have to, like, work. You're going to have to actually get better. Like, nothing's guaranteed just because you got here. And it was a struggle for me. Um, my first semester, it was a very struggle for me. I, I honestly wanted to go home. I wanted to transfer back home. I was thinking about reaching out to Division two schools, thinking I made the wrong choice. It was a struggle for me, just being a kid from the Midwest, coming all the way to, coming out to the northeast region of the, of the country. It was a struggle for me. I didn't enjoy myself. I was, it was kind of hard to fit in and understand other people's personalities because I never understood that personalities definitely changed depending on the uh, geographic you're in. And it definitely took me a while to start fitting in. But, yeah, I was, it, was, it was an adjustment just because on the football field, I, things weren't going as planned. Academically, like, that was just a game. I think, I think I'm a pretty smart guy. but um, Socially, it was, that was my biggest struggle, though, because it was definitely hard at the first point to understand other individuals and kind of – find myself fitting in, especially coming in with the high health, I high head that I'm just better than everyone, having to humble myself was definitely a, uh, that was a challenge just because it made me understand I'm not as great as I thought I was. So it made me have to put my head down and understand you have to work rather, like, wherever you go. Like, you have to be the guy that make, makes yourself
0: better. What are some of the nuances that makes people in the Northeast different? I, I know the reputation is uh, people in the Northeast not as friendly as Midwest, but yeah. what was it that you said some of the differences based on geography? Um... It's weird, so
2: it's like, from what I've seen, people from New Hampshire are the greatest, nicest people. But then, like, I start seeing some of the New York people and the Boston people, and they're not as friendly. And I don't know. Like, there's a lot of sayings out there, and there's a lot of stereotypes, but, yeah, like, the Midwest is known for their niceness. They're known for being outgoing and friendly, and the stereotype around here is is not the case. And I think that was my challenge, just because, I guess— Maybe I thought I was coming on too strong, trying to make friends and whatnot. I don't know what it was, but it was, it was just hard to read other people. And uh, my roommates at the time was uh, Timmy Bouchard, he's from New Hampshire guy; Sean McCormick, Maine guy; and then Christian Pete, New Hampshire guy. So like, I was getting the brick of it. I was getting like true, like Northeast, like like this is where we're from, like this is who we are. And I think that was probably one of the bigger challenges, just because I wasn't hanging out with guys that came from, say, Virginia or. Maryland I wasn't hanging out with this guy I was hanging out with like true live or, like live free or die guys and I think that was my biggest challenge because I'm a guy from the Midwest I'm it was just different for me but I think for me like just giving it a chance and like kind of being like buying all in not just football wise but socially and like getting like giving myself an opportunity to understand other people and like understand their personalities and understand their traits that's when it really started to click for me and then so I have some of the greatest friends I'm, I made the best connections with here now.
0: Right. Anytime you're the new kid, there's that difficulty. How do I fit in, as you, as you illustrated? What do you remember about, this goes back to the conversation about when you said, okay, things switch in the locker room, but for you, Randall Harris, first-year student, when did you start to feel comfortable and not have as many homesick feelings about transferring and, and who helped you along the way? Your roommate's probably among them.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, the moment it started to click for me being here was definitely after the 2019 season. We went 6-5, Ryan and Coach Matt got cancer, um, I didn't have the season I wanted to have. I had my first career interception, which was cool, but it was like I know who I can be. I showed glimpses of it, and it was talking to coaches. It was like, hey, like, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do that. I was like, okay, okay. And then the off season came, and obviously you get a little more free time to hang out and be with other people and party and whatnot, whatever the case might be. You have a lot more time to really evaluate yourself and really lock into who, like, figure out who you want to be. And for me, um, I would have to say that, it really clicked because I took that time. I went home, talked to my parents and whatnot, and I was like, okay, like, there's not really much at home for me. Like, when I think about it, like, it's great to see family and whatnot, but like, where you go to school, like, that's, that's home. That, that needs to be like the home you like, set yourself in. So I come back from January break, and that's when I really decided to buy all in. And that's the point. We're waking up four days a week, 6 a.m. So we're grinding it out, whatever, cool. Like, but then it started getting, the weather started getting nice out. Started going out with the guys and started being more social and just hanging out and understanding myself and understanding people and committing myself to being, like, understanding why I came here was to play football, make connections, make friendships that are going to last forever. And that's when I really started enjoying myself here and couldn't look back since.
0: So Coach Mack comes back from cancer, and days later the world shuts down. COVID-19, I think we all have been affected one way or multiple ways. How did it affect Randall Harris? Oh, man.
2: Um... So, the summer going into that that year before COVID hit, um, I was up here for the summer just because, like, I wanted to be locked in, like, new season, like, I'm trying to be a different person, trying to be a different player, I want to be locked in for this, and I was here all summer, and I was actually training a lot with Elijah Lewis and Brian Carter, and shout out to them, because those guys are the reason I became the player I am today, and the reason that I have excelled on the football field to a certain extent, obviously there's room for improvement always, but... Without them, the training at like the work that they had, I would not have become the player I am today. Um, training with them, it was cool and good to go. Whatever, like we're doing our thing. Like, and then we, I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting in the dining hall and get like a case. I was like, oh, two cases of COVID in Rhode Island. I don't, I don't know what that is. Okay, whatever. And then out of nowhere, a week later, boom, it just started started gravitating just everywhere. Started getting COVID. I'm like, what is COVID? And then. We're thinking we're going to have a season. Like we, we trained all summer. We're doing our, our summer workouts. We're in the mix of fall camp. Like, we, think, we think it's going to happen. Like, we're, we're ready to rock and roll. And then, just like that, canceled. And we're just in shock. Like, we're thinking, this can't be real. Like, what, is this, what does this mean for us? Like you know, Do we lose a year? Do we lose, like, lose a year of eligibility? Like, there were so many uncertainties. We didn't know what was going to go on. NCA had to have a lot of conversations that we had no clue what was going to be about. What does this mean for us? Are we going to try to have a season? Nah entire that entire 2020 fall just shut down and we're sitting there like okay what does this mean so we kind of had our little season within practice and we had these weird masks like glass masks on our mouths during that time period it was just weird like everything's just getting fogged up it was it was a time period and honestly looking back like it feels like it was so long ago but it wasn't as long as we think and affecting me wise like it played its toll but i don't even know how to describe it anymore just because I don't want to complain about anything because everything that's happened leading up to this point has gotten us where we're at now and gotten me where I'm at. So I kind of just kind of take it to the chin and understand like this happened for a reason. I guess COVID happened for a reason for us, and I don't know. It was that was a crazy time period. That it's crazy to even like look back on.
0: It'll it'll test your mental toughness for sure. I just remember little bullet points, and and the more I forget, the better I feel because of how dark a time it was. But trying to play in the spring. And I think if everyone can go back in time, they would have said, well, let's try to play in the fall, right? The FBS did, and it wasn't normal, but they got through that spring-type season. We got the one game in, and I'll never forget the day before the Rhode Island scheduled game. I happened to be sitting in the stadium, because back then you had a separate weight, and I'm in an office. I had found out, Ray, we're canceling the game. You guys are doing a walkthrough. You find out at the end of a walkthrough, you're not playing the next day. It has to be devastating for you guys.
2: That was um, that was the craziest time period. That's one thing that affected me mentally the most. Um, we were practicing after that Albany game. Okay, devastated loss, but hey, like we get the opportunity to play football. We get we get five, six, whatever game, many games. It was make the playoffs cool. We get an opportunity to play football, and this is when <clears throat> we got the game. We got the the notice from NCA that we still get another year of eligibility back. So this is just chance to get better, chance to get opportunities and whatnot, chance to get some like some film up there. We were excited. Every week we were excited, and we got the first game out of the way. Okay, like we can make this happen. Like okay, like we can actually get through this without COVID problems. And then next game happened. Third, we get the call: Wednesday, Thursday, canceled. All right, okay, that makes sense. Okay, like, happens. Next week comes. We're practicing all week. We do our do our regular routine: Monday film, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practice. Get a notice on that Friday. Too many guys on their team test for COVID uh, positive for COVID. Cancelled. Now we're sitting there like, okay, like okay, like is this gonna be the thing? Like we still have high hopes, right? like two games like understandable, like we get it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult time period. It was that it was that Rhode Island one that really that really got to us. And we had a lot it was to the point though, it was so frustrating because between COVID and sickness and that really affected us. We had I think we're on our third string quarterback. Um, we had about four or five D linemen out, four or five O linemen out. And Rhode Island had their entire starting O-line out. They had their quarterback out, receiver. It was, it was one of those periods. And, like, at that point, like, what we were going to go to that, that Rhode Island game with, we are like, what are we doing? We were just so mentally frustrated and so mentally disappointed in where the season was going and how the COVID was really affecting us. It was to the point a lot of guys didn't even want to be there. Like, we'd practice all week and by that Wednesday, Thursday area. We're in practice, like, honestly, are we, are we even going to play? And that's a, sad, that's a sad thought process to have when you're supposed to be in a seat and you're supposed to be ready to compete against other, another team. It's just sitting there thinking, well, I don't even know why I'm practicing. Like It's probably going to get canceled just for it to get canceled every single week. And then was it after that Rhode Island game, decided to cancel the last few games we had just because COVID had just really taken its toll on us. It was, that, was, that was the most mentally frustrating time that I remember regarding COVID just because you come in with so many high hopes and so much – enthusiasm. I don't know. I don't know. It was, that was a tough period for us because we thought we were back with the were hack. Like we couldn't even get the fall. We get the spring. Okay. It's been quite a long time since we played some football just for that to get canceled. And then we had to come back to the fall. Like, wow, it's been a year since we've all played football together.
0: So let's go to the academic side. And hopefully this might be a silver lining with everything that you just described. I remember Nico Kavikis on a past episode said some of the COVID benefited him in terms of being able to focus on this get degrees move on so I said earlier junior eligibility I think so you could play again next year this is year five in college where are you academically what are you studying and what have you been able to do with the extended college time
2: that's that's probably the biggest thing that obviously COVID is not a great thing Would not, I wish it never happened but academically it has helped us in the long run um I currently have the opportunity to get my um, master's in social work, which I'm currently getting right now. Being in grad school and being able to fulfill a uh, a master's uh, degree is always a blessing, and it's always something you've got to be appreciative of because it probably isn't happening unless COVID happened. Like I'm probably in my last year right now, and I'm not going to have that much time for a master's degree. So the fact that COVID did happen and it did affect us, there was that positive in in regards to academics. It did give us the opportunity to continue our academics, continue our uh, football journey. And allowed us to continue getting another degree, which is two degrees in one university. That's a, that's a true blessing. So it definitely it played its toll for me. And like, I'm definitely blessed to be where I'm at in the academic field right now.
0: When are you on target to earn that master's?
2: So it works out perfectly, honestly. Um, I, my, de- my degree is a year-and-a-half program. That's what my program is. So it actually works out to the point where I can do it this semester, next semester. And then my final year of football ends, obviously, next November, next December and that's right when my degree ends. So it kind of works out very perfectly for me.
0: That, that's great to hear. I mean, you've, you've been through a lot. Your teammates have been through a lot. And we started off by talking about this particular season, and we're in the month of November, championship month. So let's spend a little time talking about that. You know, how are you feeling physically, mentally, and knowing the challenges are still in front of you despite the accomplishments that have already occurred? Oh,
2: physically and mentally, both can be, they can be pros and cons. Um, physically, I felt like I had played for Two months straight without the bye week. The bye week came at a perfect time for us, and our goal was, hey, we get through Elon, we win this game, we're in a beautiful place. Being six and two, five and zero in the conference, going into a bye week, something a lot of teams haven't done around here. And mentally, that's where that's where you can really start get ahead of yourselves and think you might be better than you actually are. But it doesn't matter. Like being five and zero doesn't mean anything for us. Honestly, um, it matters where we are at the end of, of the season. And obviously, we've accomplished, we've accomplished a lot of good things, but it's nowhere where we want to be yet. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing just because we want to be good, but it's the moment you think you're good is when you start to really play down to who you are. And I feel like for this team, we're doing such a great job at understanding where we came from because we're a year ago today, we're talking about a three and eight team that was probably one of the worst teams in UNH history. So we understand that nothing is guaranteed what we're doing right now. It's the standard. I think it's the university. it's It's the New Hampshire standard. We're not doing anything special yet we haven't done anything special yet until the end of the season when we can have another conversation but what we're doing right now we're doing our job i think we sp- we came here to win like we're not doing anything more than we what we expected for ourselves when we all signed our letters of intent when we were 17 18 years old um no one would have thought that we'd be where we're at but we're getting there and we're here now but it doesn't matter for us um 5 and 0 doesn't matter what are we going to do for the next game and i like the mentality that coach santos has kind of installed with us it's not championship games that we're playing. It's the it's the goal to play like a champion. Like we don't want to put that load. We don't want to put that kind of load on us. Um, Have like playing championship football every single like every game's a championship game. Now, um, our brand of football is playing championship football. Yes, but we want to be we want to play like champions, and that'll lead to the results that we want. So I feel physically um, we're at right in the season. Yeah, guys are beat up, but that's just a given. Every every team's beat up. So what? Um, it's about what we're gonna do to get better and what we're gonna do to finish these last three games strong.
0: No, Randall, it's been great talking to you today. The story is still to be written, and as you even forecast earlier, about a year from now when you're getting that master's in social work, have you thought beyond that? Here's a Michigan guy who's become a New Hampshire guy. Where do you want to be? What do you want to do two, three, five years down the road?
2: That's, that's the thing, too. Um, one, I never saw myself doing social work before I got here. I never saw myself living in, in the state of New Hampshire before I got here. Um, since I've been here, I just I fall in love with the, everything, the demographic, the geographic, like everything about this place i fall in love with. And I do know I have, I have goals for myself. I have dreams for myself. I know I want to stay around this area after it's all said and done, whether it's for football. But if, if I, my degree takes me somewhere, I want it to be around here. And I just, I just love this place, honestly. This place has provided me so many opportunities. I'm blessed to be a UNH Wildcat, honestly. Um, I do plan on staying within the Northeast east coast region just because once you once you finally settle and you get comfortable this place grows on you between the environment and the people and just everything about this place it just it grows on you and I've definitely fallen in love with this area of the world and I'm excited to see what comes next even if it's not with football I'm excited to see where my social work journey might take me or three four years down the road when I'm when it's all said and done I'm looking forward to see what happens.
0: Well, I'm sure glad you came in today. I'm sure glad you ended up living with uh, the three New England guys who got you right in, whether it's Christian or Sean or Boosh. And <laughs> the rest is history, as they the say. So, whether it's on a balance beam or back in the football field, Randall Harris, uh, great to have you and looking forward to more exciting times ahead. Thanks for being on the Wildcast today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: We're not really talking much about what happened on a Thursday night in Lowell, Massachusetts. It's over and done with, but I'm sure when you came in today, Ella Dudley and Megan Garanti, thinking about. Oh, good. We can talk about our season in general and about the excitement ahead. So thanks for coming out on a Friday to chat with us, and and let's get each of your stories. So uh, Megan, we'll start with you. Growing up, where are you from? What year are you? What are you studying here at UNH?
4: Hi, so I'm from Sewell, New Jersey. Um, I'm a sophomore here. I'm in the nursing program at UNH. Um, I started playing soccer when I was five. Um, My little town team, you know, my mom was my coach. Um, My team ended up clicking really well so we're like wow um let's do something here and then we we joined a club a little small club which eventually merged into a bigger club and eventually we came national league into da um you know we my team stayed together like for years so it was the same group of girls which made us really successful um so we all started getting recruited and now here i am today siblings i have a sister named kylie she's older than me she is 22 um She works in the medical field, so she's a big role model of mine. Um, I look up to her a lot.
0: I I love when I talk to the younger siblings because how influential growing up in terms of what sports you played and what extracurricular things you did tied into what your sister did.
4: Definitely very influential. Um, I basically copied everything she did, you know, like got everything early, did every sport she played. Um, I just don't know if I'd be playing soccer if it wasn't for her, so...
0: Excellent. All right, let's get the story from Ella. Give us your background. Break it down.
1: Um, so I'm from St. Augustine, Florida. I've been playing soccer about the same all my life. Uh, my dad played a lot up until his time in the Army, actually, and through college. Um, and I have three brothers, um, and they all play. My older brother, Ethan, is the captain at Northwestern right now. Um, he just had a super successful season. He was super successful with his undergraduate degree as well. So he has been, like Meg said, a huge, huge role model in my life. Um, probably the more <laughs> successful sibling. Um, but he's been great to look up to throughout my entire career. What are you studying? Um, finance and accounting with a minor in econ.
0: Growing up with brothers, were they protective of you? Are you the only girl in the family? How does that work?
1: (laughs) It was very rough and tumble. I got included in the tackle logo and the playing rough and stuff, which um, I think was actually awesome. It made me really competitive, really strong. And, yeah, I would definitely say they're all very protective, very good brothers.
0: What other sports did you play growing up, or was soccer the focus early on?
1: Um, soccer was the focus early on. Um, my younger brothers like football a lot, so I actually I do that with them a lot, not like competitively or anything, but I like to think that I have a good throwing arm, so soccer is about it for me.
0: So Megan, in your case, coming from New Jersey, there's a lot of kids from Sewell, New Jersey who come here to UNH, but everybody has their own tale as to why they end up coming to the University of New Hampshire. I can't wait to ask Ella, going from Florida. But, <laughs> but what was your story about coming here?
4: Um, So when I first came here on my official visit, uh, or actually no, an ID camp first, um, I loved it. I love the campus. Like when I think of college, this is the, this college is the epitome of what I have always had registered in my brain so I came here and I loved it and then um, obviously you know started talking to the coaches and they were super super supportive and like encouraging and it made me really want to come here and be part of this like family atmosphere Um, especially I saw a lot of that when I came on my official visit Um, I stayed with Kat Shepard and that was awesome because I got to see like the team atmosphere and how it would be in my years here.
0: I just got finished talking with Randall Harris earlier in this episode, and he talked about his visit was early summer. When was your official visit, and what was that particular experience like?
4: Yeah, so I came, my ID camp was in the summer, and then um, about a month or so later, it was actually the first day of school here for all the students. So it was awesome to see everyone on campus, and campus was alive. So.
0: Was there a competitive situation where you were weighing, I may go here, but UNH wins out for a certain reason? Or did you know UNH was the one for you?
4: I think that once I stepped on campus, I definitely knew.
0: So, All right. Ella, you probably got tired of the good weather all year long, so you wanted to come <laughs> somewhere where the, cha- the seasons change or something like that.
1: Um, yeah, I just definitely wanted to just try something new, I think. Um, being in Florida your whole life, it's it's hard to play soccer when it's the stifling heat all the time. So I thought, why not try something new? Um, same thing with Meg. like I came on my... I came on an unofficial visit, and I loved it. I loved the people I stayed with. I loved the campus feel. I loved everything about it. So this was what I wanted to do for the next four years, and I'm really happy with that decision.
0: Who were some of the players who were here when you came on your visit who told you about what it was like to be a Wildcat?
1: Um, I stayed with Whitney Wiley and Rachel Hollywood. And um, anyone who knows Whitney knows she's like the nicest person in the entire world. So she definitely was really good at selling me on the school and campus and things like that. And they're both within Paul College as well. So I felt really good about the academic side of things as well. It was awesome.
0: How much did you know about the University of New Hampshire before the recruiting process started, and how did you do your own research?
1: Uh, To be completely honest, I did not know it was a university until the recruiting process started. Um, I remember in ECNL we would go to showcases, um and like nationals and stuff my team did pretty well and so we had a lot of coaches reaching out to us it was before some of the rules changed with recruiting so um steve actually reached out to me first and that was kind of when i was introduced to the university um and then from there i just kind of i watched a few games um came on my own official like i said and then just looked at the standings really listened to what steve was telling me about the team and learned about the team culture and stuff
0: Megan, in your case, learning about UNH, did you have some idea before, and when did you really start to have this place on your, your radar?
4: Um, same thing with DUDS. I I really did not think of going north. I was actually set on going south until um, Steve reached out, and I started to really do in, um, research on the school, and then when I actually came here, I loved it. So.
0: Now, you mentioned the ID camp. Can you kind of shed light on what that is and how it helped in getting you acclimated and ready for the college experience?
4: Yeah. um, So, obviously, um, if you're interested in the school or, like, if you're getting recruited here, it's nice to come and play with all the other girls that are also interested. Um, Just to give the coach extra looks on you and, like, to allow me – it actually allowed me to come up since I'm six hours away and, like, see the school for the first time, um, while also getting to meet the coaching staff further. So I think it was very beneficial in that aspect.
0: Talking about the academics, Ella, you said the business school was, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that had to be at least as big a part or close to as big a part as the soccer program and why this was the right fit for you. So how influential was the idea of going to Paul College?
1: It was a huge, huge factor for me. Um, I love education. I love learning. Um, I did really well for myself in high school, so I wanted to go somewhere where I was going to continue that education, because obviously you love soccer, but you don't get to do it forever. So I think Paul College, um, being as successful as it is for its students in terms of getting finishing their diplomas and then getting a job after school, that was awesome to see. So I feel super happy with the decision I've made, not just in terms of soccer, but in terms of academics, because I feel like I'm going to be in a really good place going forward once I graduate.
0: And Meg, I mean, nursing—I've I've heard stories from very successful student athletes, last nurses, but the schedule. The rigors of that major, they're all tough. Business school is very competitive, but it's like nursing is a whole different uh, animal. What, what is it like? In that program, this time of year for you?
4: Yeah, um, right now, to be honest, it's a lot. <laughs> My schedule is insane, but I think that it's ultimately helping me, you know, with time management and like staying on top of things. And it's a grind, but I, I love it. Like I'm learning new things every day. Like it's inspiring to be able to go to clinical and like this is like what I want to do in the future. So getting a little taste of it now is like very inspiring.
0: Are there like overnight shifts? What is what is the schedule like?
4: Um, so I have clinical one day a week. It's about seven to eight hours where I go in um, with a little group of my classmates and just go on the floor and get a get like my first real experience in like a hospital or long ter- long-term care setting um, and then every other day of the week we either have classes or labs um, so it's a lot but
0: I'm enjoying it. Ella same question to you in the terms of the the time management I find that student athletes tend the busier they are they rise to the occasion that's part of being competitive as an athlete but also in in terms of academics, you're competing every single day, but it's really busy. How do you balance the two?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that is um, being competitive. Um, I think that it can be hard sometimes to find time to complete all your assignments and make sure you're going to class and still perform well at practice. But um, I think I do a good job of, you know, trying to Get my sleep in as well, so that when I wake up in the morning, I feel refreshed and I'm ready to go. So it's it's definitely a grind, especially during um, season and especially with two majors. But I think that it's been really beneficial, like Meg said, just teaching me for the future.
0: How are the professors in understanding the travel schedule and practice schedule? Or I mean, they want to hold you to the same demands, but are they somewhat flexible or, or work with you to make sure you don't miss things?
1: Yeah, they're so flexible. I think, especially I don't want to speak for the whole school, but especially within Paul, like. Um, I actually, one of my professors, Professor Shi, who's my accounting professor right now, um, she just sat me down and was like, I don't know when you have the time, but if you want to come in, I can look at your resume, help you find internships that work with your schedule for your soccer over the summer. And wishing me luck in our games and stuff. It's It's been incredible. It's been a really great experience. I feel like they're not just professors. Like I feel super personal with them. Like I have relationships with them, which has been awesome. It's That's really good encouragement to have during the season.
0: And I think, I can't speak for them, but I think they they appreciate the effort that takes to be a division one student athlete and they've had success with other student athletes. So they want you in their classes. They want you being successful and they share in that with you.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think it's at first I was a little apprehensive thinking that maybe they would think that, you know, I'm going to slack off because I'm so busy with practice and everything. But I think that like it's reciprocated both ways. Like I really put the work in and they also go above and beyond to help us, which has been great. It's been phenomenal.
0: All right. Now, Megan, how about in your case are the, there's only so many so flexible they can be when it comes to clinicals and those things so how has the experience affected you
4: yeah there's definitely not a lot of leeway in um my schedule but the professor luckily I don't have many conflicts this year which is super awesome and my classmates are very very supportive you know obviously nursing is very team oriented so having that support from so many people and my professors and our academic advisors is very helpful and it allows me to do what I do every day
0: do you find that they're following the program at all? Like, hey, great game yesterday. Are they understanding the, the team and how good a season it's been? Or when you're there, you're just a student, and they almost forget that you're an athlete too.
4: Yeah, I think um, I think they probably have some knowledge about it, but I don't think um, it's obviously their focus. Um, a lot of my classmates are follow it a lot and wish me luck every game, and um, you know, just wish for the best for me, which is awesome.
0: On a scale of one to twelve, how angry were you that? All of last year, I mispronounced your name as a public address announcer. (laughs) I was so proud of myself because my middle name is Galante. I'm like, oh, Garante, perfect. Wrong the entire time. (laughs) I've been waiting to formally apologize. Megan, please accept my apology. I had no idea.
4: No, it's all good. Honestly, I'm used to it. It's been like that all throughout my life because, honestly, there's many ways you can probably pronounce it. So, not mad at all.
0: Garanti. Yeah. Right? That's what I say every time. Ella, yours is easier. Ella Dudley, I haven't screwed that up too much, although uh, I know that. Sally Rainey got my case for forgetting Andy Allison the first game. Yeah. So hopefully uh, I, I give Andy her due. It's just fun. It's fun watching your games, being part of that. And how obnoxious is it when I do stew horn? Is that too much?
4: No, we love uh, it. Uh,
0: we appreciate all that you do for us. So thank you. Oh, uh, Please. That was my – you're welcome, but I don't do much. I just enjoy following along, and, and it's been just a great ride. Even last year I thought it was really awesome. And I know the Lowell experience uh, this year – we didn't have overtime, right? The rules have changed. You can't go to the PKs, but I remember specifically how great that was to win that game and then even go into Vermont. So I guess, Ella, will turn to you for this one. How motivating was how last year ended to springboard into what you've been able to accomplish so far this season?
1: That was a big thing that we talked about um, at the beginning of the season, like how we ended and how we don't want to end like that again, um, I think that last year our playoff run was insane. I think that that was just a full-on grind from everybody on the team, and I think we took that same mentality of just grinding into this season, and I think that shows with our seeding. Um, I think even you know yesterday's game at Lowell, um, our game against Vermont this year, winning that game, I think you can just tell that everyone is very dedicated and just really wants to push through and get the win this year.
0: How has the rule change of no OT, no penalty kicks during the regular season how have you adjusted? Is it I would think, like, from the rigors of the battle, you know when the game's done and those those extra minutes that you would be battling, now you can rest up and be ready for these biggest games of the year. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was about to say, it helps with fresher legs, for sure, in the next game. Um, it is a bit frustrating in games that you tie because in the past you have that chance, um, like against Maine... Um, last season Cheech had a great overtime winner for us and that was super crucial Um, but I think that yeah this year you know kind of when the clock's ticking down you've got to make that last play that last push Um, in the game I think overall it's probably a good rule just for the health of athletes and just for getting through the season but it's just been a little bit different.
0: Meg, how do you feel? Do you feel like you're fresher now than you were a year ago because of the the change in the rule?
1: Yeah,
4: very similar to what Dodds was saying. I think it definitely helps with a, with recovery and obviously having those being ready for the next game. Um, but I think in a way, it um, like you know when the time's going to end. You know you have only 90 minutes to like get it done. So I think it's um, obviously tough when you're tied. But I think like you know that ahead of time, like you need to get it done within the 90 minutes.
0: And then how about you from personal goals coming into the season to what you've been able to accomplish? How are those two things matched up knowing what you've been able to do on the field?
4: Um, for personal goals, um, I would say obviously um, transitioning to this like forward role on our team. Um, obviously looking to score goals is one of the big things, but just being dangerous and creating for each other and um, really connecting with the lines throughout the field was one of the main things from the backs to the mids to the forwards like working together as a unit and um being able to get as many shots off as we possibly can and be as dangerous as possible in the attacking third
0: ella in your case what were you aspiring to do better this year and how have you measured up to your own expectations
1: um my goals are pretty simple i just want to have fun and play the best i can every game i don't really try and set standard too high for myself and put too much pressure on myself Um, and I think I've done a really good job of that this year I think I also set the goal of trying to just kind of play in whatever role um, or position I'm put in and I played three this year and I think I've done um, fairly well with that Um, and I think so far we've lived up to it I mean I'm so happy with our performance as a team I'm happy with my performance myself so I think overall it's been a good season
0: And I think I was going to petition America East for a new rule. I thought your goal should have been worth three. In basketball, (laughs) you score from that far out, it should be worth three. That was an incredible goal. What do you remember about that particular one?
1: Uh, I remember trying to cross the ball in (laughs) and miss hitting it. Um, But that was really cool. I think everyone on the team kind of just all looked at each other and our faces, our jaws just dropped. We're like, no way, no way. Um, So that was really cool. It's been awesome. I don't think I've ever scored so much in any season ever of my career. So that was a really nice change and it was really cool.
0: So saying you didn't have a lot of goals, but one of them was to have fun. We having fun this year? Oh, so much
1: fun, yeah. I think it was, I think, um, I mean, you're playing with your best friends, so it's already something that you enjoy so much. But it's it's easy to get down on yourself in a game, get frustrated with yourself or your results as a team. And I think um, we've done a really good job this year of staying away from that and me personally just, you know, continuing to push through it, not getting frustrated with myself. Um, and, yeah, scoring goals has been really fun, so I've enjoyed that too.
0: And you scored a lot. Megan, you've been scoring a lot of goals, getting a lot of assists. You probably didn't set numbers ahead of time, say, I want to get this and this. But maybe do you ever look back and say, geez, I'm I'm actually coming along faster than I thought. Or or is this what you were expecting? Yeah,
4: um, coming from three goals and few assists last year, it's obviously a good change to being able to be more um, productive on the field and efficient in goal scoring. Um, But, yeah, I think that I'm I'm very happy with – the Product that I've been putting out on the field, but I think that there's always room for improvement. And obviously, I'm still working on um, very hard every single game to be consistent and keep scoring goals.
0: I love what Ella said about playing with your best friends. And like, that's a, that's we, we don't want to forget that, right? We're so competitive, we want to win championships. But from that perspective, what is it like that you know, when you quote unquote go to work every day, when you're here training, getting ready to play games and competing, that you're part of that same locker room, that same wildcat vibe?
4: Yeah, it never feels like work. It never feels like a chore. It's something that I look forward to every single day. You know, I could spend hours and hours in the field house and be extremely content. Like, this is my favorite place to be, surrounded by the best people. It's um, it's it's a in it's without my day, and I look forward to it.
0: You know, I want to play off that, Ella, because we're talking about being a student-athlete for the women's soccer program, but what about the kinship of just being a student-athlete at UNH in general? You have friends from other teams who are all in the same field house doing your own business, but... You must at least pay attention somewhat to what else the other teams are doing.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I think that my friends at at bigger schools in Florida um – they don't have the same kinship, like you said, with the other teams. So I think it's so cool here that we're all so close. Um, some of my really good friends are on field hockey. They actually have a game today. I'm sad we can't go because we have practice. But we try and go to their games even though we don't really understand the rules and just cheer as loud as we can. And same with men's soccer. We have a bunch of friends on those teams, football too. So it's just fun to go to those games and you know those people and you're you're really rooting for every team on campus, which is awesome.
0: And this is not to disparage any of those other teams, but UNH is now, and since you've been here, a soccer school. That's kind of a neat thing, and and the men's program started it, but the women's team is right there now, and there's got to be some pride in being associated with that sport at this university
1: yeah it's awesome I think also knowing the people on the, that team and, and being close to them too you feel a lot more pride because you're just so proud of your really good friends as well um, not just them as athletes and I think like the moments like their UNC game last year is crazy and it's so much crazier because you know those guys who are out there scoring those goals and, and playing so well and stuff like that so it is you you feel really proud to be a soccer player at UNH when you know our team is as successful as it is and their team is as successful
0: as it is Meg, what's your experience as far as following the other teams or being friends with the other student athletes?
4: Um, very similar, you know. Um, we, I know me personally, and a bunch of other people on the team look forward to going to these games. You know, volleyball, field hockey, uh, men's soccer, football. Every single game, we're excited. Um, you know, we see each other in the dining hall, and we're rooting for each other, asking each other, "Oh, how was your game?" You know, like good luck tonight. We're just excited for one another, which I think is very positive and encouraging to be a part of.
0: How about the general students and how they are responding? You know, our Cat Pack captains are the ones who are out there and they get the cowbell and the chance. Knowing playoffs are here and we're playing at home, what does it mean to play at Wildcat Stadium in front of, you know, your fans?
4: Playing at Wildcat is awesome, you know, always being at home and having that support and the Cat Pack, you know, cheering and just the students taking the time out of their day to come and support us. Like, it means a lot to us and we appreciate it a lot and I think it – helps us throughout the game pick each other up and look around and see everyone who's there for us.
0: What is the home field advantage, Ella, in your opinion, when you're when you're playing here, maybe it's sleeping in your own bed and knowing your own locker room, but what's the experience like when you're playing in Durham as opposed to having to go on the road?
1: Um, I mean, obviously it's preferable. Uh, you get to sleep in your own bed, yeah, get your nice hoco meal before the game. Um, <laughs> And it's just, it's nice to know that you have people in the stands cheering for you. Like our families and our friends are there and it and you're comfortable with the field that you're playing on. So it definitely is a, a big factor. I think we've been successful on the road um, regardless, but it is just you, when you have a home game, you're just, you're way more amped up.
0: And I know I've asked you about your own personal goals, your own academics, and we're talking about the two of you specifically, but let's share the love for a moment. How about the rest of your team? Some of the players, I mean, I guess you don't want to name names necessarily because you leave people out, but you wouldn't be where you are now. If the whole team wasn't having a great year.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. I think that this season, so many people have stepped up, like in so many different ways. It's been incredible to see. And it, when other people are stepping up for you, like when your teammates are working, when sometimes you're not having your best game or your best day at practice, like it's so encouraging and so inspiring. And I think that that's something we've had this year that's really helped us have those pushes like in an away game against Binghamton or when we have a red card and we're trying to survive 45 minutes a man down, like knowing that your teammates are there with you and that they're working and being so successful this season has been amazing.
0: Let me turn to the coaching staff. I mean, Steve Wellum, Amanda Bowes, Stu Horn, Andy Allison, they're helping out. How important are they, Meg, to the overall success of this program and to you personally?
4: They're extremely important. You know, um, they're doing everything in their power to make sure that we have what we need to be successful, you know, preparing us for every single game, making sure we have the equipment to just keep us warm. Um, Andy Allison works extremely hard. and. We are very, very appreciative of her. We wouldn't be where we are today without her, Um, so shout out to her. Um, And the coaching staff as well.
0: Um, Obviously, we wouldn't be nearly
4: as successful
0: without them. And I know in the immediate aftermath of the last regular season game, Coach Wellham spoke to the team, and I I liked his message personally, but knowing it's still fresh in mind, how important is it for for Coach to give those words? Yes, remember the feeling, and we still have a chance to control our destiny going forward.
4: Yeah, it's super, super important, you know, knowing that um, he still has just as much faith in us and that, like, to pick us up when we might have been down last game, you know, just to keep us inspired and keep us um, excited to play post-conference.
0: All right, Thursday night, 6 o'clock. It's going to be a home game. We don't know who we're playing against yet. We'll figure that out. But, Ella, what are you anticipating? Uh, This is what you come to college for, right? Big playoff-type games, and I can only imagine what you're feeling as we're counting down the days until – you get back on the pitch and know there's a trophy at the end of this tournament.
1: Yeah, I think um, the biggest feeling that everyone's having right now is excited. Um, I think, you know, our, our seating is great. Getting the bye is great. And I think that um, we're we're excited for whoever we get, no matter what. Um, we know it's going to be a grind. It's going to be a tough game. All playoff games are. It's just how it goes. But I think we're confident and we're excited and we're ready to go.
0: Is there a plan Sunday to watch the other game as a team? Or do you just kind of let that happen? Don't worry about it. And when it's time to watch film on the winter, you'll watch the film.
1: We'll probably watch. Um, we're, we're big soccer watchers. No matter what game's going on, we'll watch any conference anytime. So I think, yeah, we'll probably tune into those games and, and just see how it goes. But I think no matter what, we're not, we're not too worried. We're confident. We're excited.
0: All right, Meg, I'll let you get the last word on that. You're getting ready for Thursday night, semifinal at home. Give us the mood. How are you feeling?
4: Also also very, very excited. Um, but I also think that we are locked in as a team, you know, day in and day out, every single practice, every film session, you know, in the weight room. I think that we've been preparing for this all season and we feel ready and we feel like we're gonna take what we've been working for and take what we feel we deserve, you know, especially after last year in the finals. Um, I think we're just ready to get at it.
0: Megan Garanti, Ella Dudley, thank you so much for coming on the wildcast today. Uh, It's been a lot of fun following the season. I'm looking forward to some more exciting action Thursday and beyond. So thanks a lot.
4: Thank you for having us.
0: Megan and Ella, big games ahead for sure. And let's look at that America East Championship bracket quickly as we come back with Bryce. Opening round is Sunday, October 30th. NJIT, the sixth seed at number three, Maine. And the number four, UMass Lowell, home against number five, UAlbany. The Wildcats get the winner of the game between NJIT and Maine, 6 o'clock in Wildcat Stadium, Thursday, November 3rd. Binghamton is the number one seed, and the Bearcats will take on the winner of that albany UMass lowell game. And we'll look ahead just for the fun of it, because it could be a reality Why price. Not? November 6th. Maybe at home, maybe at Binghamton. Only time will tell. But just great to be having these important games for a team that's on a roll. I know they had that bump in the road against UMass-Lowell. But I think you heard it. I mean, Ella and Megan, they're, they're looking past that. They, they realize the goal is the goal, the thing is the thing, and they're focused.
3: Absolutely, and I think a big thing in sports is, you know, just looking forward to the next game, you know, not looking too far ahead, but also having those uh, championship aspirations, and I'm sure they have them. And, you know, I think they're excited and ready to perform in these big games.
0: And then Randall Harris, great to get his story. I mean, somebody who came from Michigan Absolutely. out here going from the FBS to the FCS, went through COVID as a part of this team. Had the rough year last season, which he was very very honest about. You know, 3-8, and it's tougher to look at the guy next to you and be excited to be playing together. But this year it's been a completely different story. And they have three games left. The the one at Richmond, the Battle of Ranked Teams. So going to Virginia for a huge game in November, you wouldn't trade that experience if you're a Wildcat football player. You want to be in these situations.
3: Exactly. This is what, you know, athletes live for, especially high-level athletes. And I think they're excited to do that and excited to, you know, Come come back out this season and have a pretty good season. After, like you said, after a little disappointment last year, and you know that just uh, you know kind of motivates you even more.
0: One more home game, at least. Again, we're not worried about playoffs, but Rhode Island is senior day, November twelfth, one o'clock. U N H U R I, get your tickets at UNHWildcats.com, Wildcats dot com. And the week after that, they go up to Maine in the border battle presented by Buffalo Wild Wings with mm-hmm. the Bryce Cow Musket on the line. And basketball season. When we talk next, Bryce, it, hoop season will be here. The doubleheader November 7th. I know you're a big basketball guy. Big
3: basketball guy. I'm excited to watch the team, excited to go to some games, and also to coach some of my own games. So it'll be a nice uh, dual threat this basketball season.
0: Now, when does the Oyster River season start? Not as early as college, but soon. Not
3: probably. as early. You know, we got, we got some workouts, you know, in the in the midst right now, and then it'll be starting up a little, little after the uh, UNH season. No exact dates yet, but, uh, you know, I'm excited.
0: Well, when we leave here, are you going to go upstairs, talk to Coach Harry and Coach Hogan, get some ideas, or give them some ideas, and I might have to, you know,
3: I might have to pick their brains. You know, they're uh, they're definitely a little more experienced than I am, but uh, I'm excited.
0: The Coach York era begins here, and the UNH Wildcast powered by UNITIL, ends here. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Bryce, have yourself a great week. Thanks as always for your help.
3: Thank you very much. You too. Enjoy the weekend.
0: Now we thank all of our fans for being here. Until next time, for Bryce York and all of our guests, I am Mike Murphy. I am your friend, and I say to you. Go Cats!
2: Thanks for listening to the UNH Wildcast, the official podcast of the University of New Hampshire Wildcats. The UNH Wildcast is hosted and produced by Mike Murphy, and our intro music is Ultraviolet by Turner. For more information on UNH athletics, visit unhwildcats.com.